Hey, uh, good morning. <clears throat> My name is Justin. <clears throat> and uh, no, it's not Justin. Uh, I'm happy to be here, and uh, I'm tired. You know, you lose an hour of sleep. It's like jet lag, you know? It's like you get messed up. I, I go around like uh, 7.30, changing all the clocks early, and I start psyching myself out the night before, you know, and it doesn't work. You go to bed, and you're going like, what am I doing here? It's not time to go to bed yet. But anyways, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you made it. And... Uh, we, let's open our Bibles, uh, Jonah chapter 4, Jonah chapter 4, what an exciting uh, book this has been. How many of you have liked the book of Jonah? Any of you? Yes. One or two of you? A little review, last time uh, in the book of Jonah, uh, there was this revival or awakening that happened in the city of, of Nineveh. And it was just an incredible outpouring, really. Uh, you know, God was at work there, but the people's hearts were stirred as well, and they, and they turned. And Jonah almost missed it, which is kind of a sad thing, but Jonah almost missed it. But as we'll see, there's still some issues there. But Jonah brought them this message that in 40 days, you know, the judgment was coming within 40 days. The exciting thing about it, and I was talking to someone about this last, last time, the exciting thing is that they didn't wait 40 days. Right away, it's, it appears from the language that's used, right away they did something. Right away they turned. Their hearts were broken before God. Now, you and I, I think we would wait till day 39, right? 39 and a half to get something going. Well, I've still got 38 more days. I've still got 37 more days. I've got 36. And we'd, we'd kind of, you know, this procrastinate. Any of you procrastinate? I, I just almost missaid it, but it probably makes more sense. Procrastinate <laughs> is probably a good way to put it. And that's what happens. We crash. But they didn't wait. They, they got to this place of humility. They got to this place of brokenness. And really, that was the, the path to revival, is just our hearts being broken before God. That's the path to revival. And then we saw here uh, in chapter 3 that God responded and He spared them. And he had compassion on them. God had compassion on them. He responded to their open hearts. And, and when you look at the whole Bible cover to cover, you see that that's what God's heart is. That's what His desire is, to have to have compassion, to have mercy, to have pour out His love upon us. And there was just incredible stuff going on in heaven during this period of time, I think. Now, Warren Wiersbe points out it would, that, that it would be great if the book ended right here. Like, that's, that's like going out on a high note, right? You know, Peyton Manning, right? Going out on a high note, right? He's, he's won the Super Bowl. So are you Patriots fans? It's just an example, okay? Don't get all worked up about this now. That's all back in the past now. But it would be cool if it, that was the end of it, right? But, you know, that's not the end of it, is it? And, and I think it's, it's fitting because, and I think we have a lot of application for ourselves, that God was still working with Jonah's heart. God was, still had things to do in Jonah's heart. 
God worked with all those 120,000 people and stuff that was going on there in the city of Nineveh, but God was still working with an individual, and his name was Jonah. But I think God is still working with individuals, and in his, in his, in, in his and her name is whatever your name is, my name. He's still working with us on an individual level. And, and, and what do you think about this guy Jonah? You know, he'd been used in this incredible way. You would think, right? You would think that 120,000 people, you know, respond and they repent and they, their hearts are broken. They humble themselves. You would think that he would be, what, ecstatic, like, wouldn't you be? I mean, if you were Billy Graham and, and, and you uh, went to a city to preach and, and, like, the whole city, you know, falls before God, 120,000 people, like, you'd be, like, you'd be, you'd be broken, too, because I think you'd be humbled by that. You'd think, though, he'd be a little more excited about it. Earlier in the, in the book, we see that he turned, right? He, he was running from God in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he, his heart kind of turns, and he prays, and it's an incredible prayer in chapter 2. Chapter 3, he goes, he obeys God, and he, and he goes. But despite all of that, there's still a place in his heart that's like smoldering. There's this, there's this place in his heart that is not surrendered. I wonder about you and I. You know, do you ever sulk? <laughs> do any of, you, have you, ever, any of you ever pout when things don't go your way? No, I only did that when I was a little kid, but I don't do that now that I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah, who, who are you kidding, Right? You see, what, what, I, what I believe is that it gets down to the heart, really. And that's why as we grow when we're younger and we do these things more often, we, we hope that we grow and we, and we gain some kind of maturity, and our, but it really gets down to the heart. Have any of you ever had a heart surgery? I'm just curious. Anybody ever had a heart surgery? Thank God that nobody... Oh, John... Thank God that most of us have not had heart surgery. But, you know, I was thinking about heart surgery, and it's like, that freaks me out. You know, that God, you know, you know that, that my body, the heart was something wrong with it. They, they would have to actually, you know, cut me open and, and open up my chest and get to my heart and do something to my heart there. Like, that, doesn't that freak you out? That they would have to do that to us, and, and it's not something that I would look forward to. Oh, I can't wait, you know. I'm going to have heart surgery tomorrow. I'm so excited. I just can't wait till it, till it happens. And, boy, I, I'm certainly not that way. But, but you know what? <clears throat> That's what we see in chapter 4 of Jonah. There's some heart surgery taking place there, and it's not very comfortable. It's not, it's not even very nice to read. It's not comfortable to even to look at to see what happened to this guy Jonah, but that's what's taking place. You see, God is the heart surgeon. If you want a good heart surgeon, don't go through the yellow pages. Go through this book here. This is where the heart surgeon is. He's, he's found in this book, and, and he's here, even here this morning. And I believe that every one of us, every one of us needs some kind of attention. We have some kind of a heart problem, some kind of a heart murmur. Look at chapter 4, 
We'll pick it up there where we left off in verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and he became angry. Jonah was greatly displeased. 120,000 people turned to God. They turned to Yahweh. And he was greatly displeased and angry. Is there a problem here? <laughs> some kind of an issue going on here with Jonah? He's got some kind of a heart problem. Why was he so displeased and angry? Because he wanted those people destroyed. He wanted nothing less than them to be destroyed. Maybe he thought, well, I'm going to go... And I'm going to give him that message because it's a pretty strong message and it'll be okay. Maybe that was kind of floating around in his head a little bit. You know, 40 more days and Nineveh is going to be overturned. Maybe he thought that was possible. But it didn't happen that way, did it? That's not what happened. God, God turned. He had compassion. He did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened, it says there in verse 10 of chapter 3. So now, Jonah is greatly displeased and angry. Who do you think he's angry with? God. He's angry with God. Now, that's a problem in itself, right? Uh, we, we looked at this whole issue of anger on Wednesday night, and, and, and uh, you know, there, you can talk all day, we could talk all day about anger and its problems and its issues and that. But, but he's angry that God spared them. He's angry at God. Do you ever get angry at God because he didn't do something that you wanted him to do? Do I ever get angry at God? There's something that, that I want to point out to you in Isaiah chapter 55 because this is pretty much the way it is. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's pretty much the way it is, isn't it? You have God's ways and you have our ways. And there, there, there really is a kind of a pretty big gap between the two. But for us to become more like Jesus, to have more and more, you know, to be more and more like him, more and more in line to his ways. See, because anybody, if anybody has to change, guess who it is? No, God, you need to, God, you need to like come in line with my thinking on this one, right? God, you need to like understand like where, well, you know, where we're at down here. You don't really get it. We're going to have to explain this to you. <laughs> yeah, okay. See, in this particular scenario, God's plan was compassion, right? God's plan was mercy for the people of Nineveh if they turned. And Jonah's plan, no, destroy them all, because we don't like them. They're our enemies. They're violent. They're brutal. Whatever the case, all these different things that Jonah had in his mind and in his heart. Which just, which just tells me, you know, there's a big gap between God's ways and our ways, and, and, and we need to be in line with his plan, always. Now, Jesus was God, the Son, right? Jesus was God come to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. But even he, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Anybody remember? Garden of Gethsemane, prayer. What did he say? Not my will, 
but yours be done. He was speaking to the Father. Even he gave us that as an example, you see, because he also knew what it was like to have a human body. And, you know, the, the, the trial that the cross was going to be, he was talking about the cross, of course. He said, not my will. He says, if there's any other way that we can do this thing, but not my will, but yours be done. And I think, I think that's a prayer for us for every single day of our lives. Not my will, not what I want today, but what you want. Not my will. You see, God turned from his anger and Jonah turned to his anger. That's a big difference, right? God turned from his anger and God is the only one that has really a true righteous anger. He turned from anger and Jonah turned to anger. But look at this is the verse we looked at on Wednesday night. James 1.19 My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to Listen, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God, desire, God desires. Can you think about the last time you were angry? Oh, was it on the way here this morning? <laughs> oh, Oh, was it like as soon as I got up here and started to speak and you went, that guy's making me angry. Like he said something I didn't like. Now the, the anger, it kind of, you know, there, it kind of boils up sometimes. Sometimes we, we have this festering anger, right, John? Sometimes it just like, boom, it's there and it, and it explodes all of a sudden. But, but really, does it accomplish anything that God wants in our lives? Uh, I don't think so. I think we need to be very careful. And that's why he says to be slow to anger because, because of what's going to come out of it. Jonah, like, he was consumed with his own anger. He was displeased and he was angry at God. Look at verse 2, though. It says he prayed. He prayed to the Lord. So at least he's still praying, right? He got angry, but it's, at least he was still praying. But, but when you look at his prayer... There's still, still some problems here. Not like his earlier prayer in chapter 2. Oh, Lord, he, he, he prayed to Yahweh. He said, oh, Yahweh, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That, was, that is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Notice he he talks a lot about I, 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 there. Seems like he really hadn't learned anything. Through all he had been through, he hadn't really learned everything and, and learned anything. And it, it seems to me like when, he, when he's talking to God like us, he's almost like rebuking God. Doesn't it? You kind of get that tone. Don't use that tone with me. You've, you've, you've maybe said that to someone. Don't use that tone with me. And he's got this tone, he's, he's speaking to God like, whoa. He said, I was, that's why, that's why I did that. He says, I knew, I knew, I knew this was going to happen. Like, that's why I wasn't going to go. I knew, because I knew these things about you. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. 
See, the, the interesting thing about this is that he knew the, attribute, the attributes of God, these things about God. His doctrine was right, but his heart wasn't right. Say, how could that be? He knew these things about God, and we can know a lot of stuff about God, right? We can have like the best doctrine. We can have the our doctrinal state, statement memorized. We got it all right. It's all perfect. But does that guarantee that our hearts are going to be right? See, that doctrine, you know, that's saying it's got to go from up here down into here. The doctrine of the Scripture, the truth of the Bible, has to get from our heads down into our hearts and like get in there and do the surgery that needs to take place. For us to know that God is like that and that God wants us to be like that. But, but Jonah wasn't willing to be like that at all. These things about God, they're repeated over and over, by the way, in the, in the Scripture. And Jonah knew how God would respond and he just didn't want it to happen. The interesting thing is that uh, he wanted it for himself, Right? He, it was, he was okay with God rescuing him from the fish, and you read that in chapter 2. He was okay when God shows him mercy and compassion, but somebody else, no, nah, I don't think so. Not so much. He didn't want to give them what he had gotten for himself. He's not willing to give what he had received. Makes me think of Matthew 18, where, you know, the... The, the master, you know, gives mercy and, and forgives the debt of somebody who had this huge, huge debt. And, 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 and uh, he goes out and, and goes to somebody who has got just a real tiny debt. And, and he, like, takes them to task about this tiny debt when he had been forgiven so much. Jonah had been shown a lot of mercy, and Jonah wasn't willing to show mercy to anybody else. Again, we... We, we talked about that when, when Jonah was given a second chance and God you know, gives us all these second chances to give someone else another chance, to let someone else have a second chance. But we're not always so willing to do that. So now Jonah gets angry and more. Look at verse 3. It says, Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. He's, he's not only displeased, he's angry, now he's, he's wanting God to just kill him, right? Take away my life. In other words, I'd rather be dead than see them live. That's his attitude. Earlier in the chapter uh, book, in chapter 1, you remember, he was uh, in the ship, right? And, and he said to them, throw me over. His attitude was similar. It's like, I'd rather die than follow and obey God. Man, you think this, you, do you think maybe there's a little heart problem here? This, and again, this is, this is a prophet of God. This is a guy who has got like, God had been working with him, working in him, using him in lots of different ways, and he's got a heart problem, which makes me think, you know, you and I, we're just like, we're just like uh, regular, regular people, and, and could we have heart problems too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd rather die than, than do what God wants me to right now. It's really, this, this whole statement really is a height of, of selfishness, of self-pity. It's all I and me. You remember the story of Elijah, right, in 1 Kings? 
Uh, he had had an incredible victory, right? With the prophets against the prophets of Baal. And, and then someone threatened him. One woman threatened him and he went running out there. He fled for his life and he said, you know what? God, just take me. I'm done. I don't really want to live anymore. Same kind of thing. Like, did you not learn anything back there? We are like that, though, huh? And maybe he was tired. You can say, okay, he was tired, and, and, and he, you know, it had been a long week, you know? But, but that happens to us, too. We get to that place where, you know, I've just had enough. I can't do it anymore. And then we want God to help us commit suicide. God, take my life. I, I, you know, I don't know. Have you ever thought that or said that? God, I, I just can't take anymore. Can you just take me home right now? I've said it. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I've said it. Take me home right now. I've, I don't really want to deal with this anymore. And, you know, suicide, that's another whole subject we're not going to get into other than the fact that it's a very serious thing. It is very a self uh, wrapped up around self and, and I think it's very serious and, and I take it very serious when someone talks like that to me and and, but this is between us and God now. And, and when some, but when someone seriously has a plan where they're going to do something, well, I think we need to take that very seriously, and I, and I do. But to have this thought even that, you know what, I just would rather go home. And, and, and I'm not saying it's bad to long for heaven. You know, I want to be in heaven. I do. I'm, I'm homesick for heaven. And I want to be there. I want to go there. But... What's God's plan for my life here? Paul said, Paul said it. He said, you know, it's much better if I go and be with you. He says, but for now, it's much better for them that I stay here, the people that he was helping there. Read about it in Philippians. So, look at verse 4. He says, the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? That's a good question. Have you any right to be angry? In other words, you need to check your heart. You need to check your heart, Jonah. Notice he doesn't really answer there. He like walks away. In the book of Genesis, uh, in fact, why don't you turn back with me uh, to Genesis chapter 4, because that's, that's a kind of a similar question is, is being asked here of Cain. Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, uh, the situation, let's, let's start in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, people have made an issue, well, it's one because one was a, an offering of animals and blood was shed and, and the other one was just uh, like produce or whatever. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a heart issue here. I think there was, God could see the difference in heart between these two guys. And what they were bringing was, you know, what, where's your heart at when you brought this offering, Cain? And God was, was, was confronting it. God was dealing with Cain. And what did Cain do? He got angry. In verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Do you have a right to be angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right 
will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Wow. Sin is crouching at the, des- the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Anger is like that too. You know, it's crouching, ready to, to get a foothold. And someone said, a toehold, a foothold, and then a stronghold. I like that. This anger. We know the rest of the story there in Genesis. Cain, uh, you know, he went out and killed his brother. Anger took over. He, 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 he gave into it. Instead of God was trying to deal with him about it. And God is trying to deal with Jonah about his anger, about his attitude, about this heart issue that he, that he has. Back to Jonah now, chapter 4, verse 5. Jonah went out. And he sat down at a place east of the city. And there... He made himself a shelter, and he sat in its shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. He went out basically to sulk, didn't he? I think he's running again. That's like one of his M.O.s, right? Things get a little tough. It doesn't happen the way you want, so you run. So you go. You leave. And he goes outside the city. And he's just kind of waiting, waiting to see what would happen. What do you think? What do you think maybe he should have done? Now, he's a prophet who knows his doctrine correctly. And 120,000 people plus have turned to Yahweh and they don't have any Bibles. Right? The Gideons hadn't, you know, made it to Nineveh yet. So what do you think probably would have been a better use of his time? What do you think? Maybe to stick around and teach them about Yahweh? Teach them about the God of the Bible? I mean, it it seems like that would be the better avenue, right? But he goes outside the city and he sulks. Oh, man, none of you ever do that, though, right? I asked you that already. We act like a child and we go and just sulk and we get that face. And he's kind of hoping that God would change his mind. And God said, listen, if anybody's going to change here, it's not me, it's you. And we need to keep that in mind. And that's always going to be the case. If anybody needs to change, it's us, it's not him. Because he's perfect, he knows what he's doing. And as a matter of fact, uh, God is working to change Jonah. And look at verse 6, he's got this kind of a, an object lesson. Verse 6, then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. Jonah was happy. He looked like this. He was happy. This is the first time we actually see Jonah happy in the book of Jonah, right? He wasn't happy that God tried to send him to Nineveh, right? He went the other way. He wasn't happy when, you know, the ship is like about to, you know, go under. He wasn't really happy when they threw him in. He might not have been happy when he got rescued by the great fish. He appears a little bit better in chapter 2 when he was praying. He had some things right, but there's really like no joy in his life. But now 
He gets this vine that grows up over his head, gives him some relief, and he's happy. Man, that's, uh, we're not like that though, right? Get a little bit, something happens for me, that what I want, and I get happy. But I think really, it's not really joy, is it? The joy is, comes from our relationship with God and serving Him and being obedient to Him and, 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 and the things that He does in our life. That's where real joy comes from. But He's got this happy thing happening. And, and I was thinking about this. Do you think, did He realize that it was God that was doing that for Him? I don't think so yet. But it says that this happened overnight. This, this thing grew up like it happened overnight. So do you think maybe you have to wonder, like, why is this kind of growing so fast? Like, I went to sleep, and then he, here it is in the morning. Like, how did that happen? You know, he knew a lot about God, but he didn't quite know about God, right? That's dangerous, too. You know enough about God, but really don't know much about God and what he's really like. For ourselves, for people. Look at verse uh, 7 and 8. It says that at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and he said, It would be better for me to die than to live. Uh, none of you and I are as fickle as that. You go from this to this, right? How could that be? Like, you, we, Are we that fickle? That we can change just like this? One minute, you, you're happy and loving everybody, and the next minute, you are so angry, you want to kill somebody. I don't know. I just don't know. But we see God involved in the whole situation, right? God provided the great fish. He, it says he provided the vine. He provided this little worm. He provided the scorching wind. But see, God is doing something in the life of Jonah. And I truly, truly believe that God is doing something in your life. God is definitely doing something in my life. I know that. I don't always like it, but he's doing something. And he will do whatever it takes to do what he's trying to do in your life, in my life. I still have a choice whether I'm going to work along with him, whether I'm going to respond, whether I'm going to let, let him do and let him have that way, his way in me. I still have a choice. Jonah still had a choice. And, and, you know, he thought he had got it together, but obviously what was there kind of came gushing out to the surface here. And what's down there deep inside of us, it's not, it's not going to stay down there forever. It's going to come out. It will come out. It says that he wants to die again. Why? Because the vine died and his head was hot, not because he was a hot head. That was something I just kind of picked up on there. I thought you'd like that, Jim. Look at verse 9. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. He said, I am angry enough to die. I do have rights. I do, God, have rights. Don't you know I'm an American? I have rights. I have the right to be happy. 
I have the right to be comfortable. I have the right to live, you know, the way I like. I have the right to have these things. You notice in, in the advertisements nowadays, it's, it's all, you deserve this. You deserve to have that nice car. You deserve to have this thing in your house. You deserve to have these clothes. You deserve all this. You deserve to have hair. Come to the men, you know, hair club for men. You deserve these things. It's okay to laugh at me. I don't care. <laughs> you know, we don't deserve anything to be <laughs> truthful about it. We really, doesn't, we really don't deserve anything. But God in His grace giving us what we don't deserve. That's the definition of grace. He's angry enough to die. Verse 10 and 11, as we get to the end here, he says, But the Lord said, Jonah always says something, but the Lord says, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You see, it gets down to, in the end, you know, Jonah, you've, all you've been concerned about is yourself. And I, I think that's, that's kind of like the, the heart of the sin nature, to be concerned about self. And sin, what's the middle, uh, what's the heart of sin, the middle letter of sin? I. It's really, it's all about me and what I want, what I think, what I, and we saw that uh, in Jonah's, some of his statements, I, 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 I. But Jonah really didn't care about those people. You see, there was a big difference between what God was thinking. God's plan was to have compassion and mercy on them, and Jonah's plan was to have them destroyed. He didn't really care. He didn't have a heart. He didn't care for any lost people. So it's really God's heart versus Jonah's heart, right? You think about in the, in the uh, gospel, you see Jesus, he came to Jerusalem, and what did he do? It says that he wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. Jonah wasn't weeping about anything except the fact that, he, you know, the sun was beating on his head, except that he wasn't getting his own way. Made me think here about uh, Mark chapter 8. Peter had, or Jesus had spoken about going to the cross and the resurrection, right? And Peter, it says that he took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke Jesus, right? We see Jonah trying to rebuke God about this whole thing. But, but Jesus was going to do something, what? To bring about salvation for the human race, for, for all those that would turn to him. And Peter, you know, takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. And what, what happens here? Look. But when Jesus turned and he looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. He, he, he kind of equates, uh, you know, the attitude and the heart of Peter right there with, with Satan. Like, you, you know, what is going on here? When you read about the fall of Satan, too, you see that he was all about I, I. His, his whole downfall was pride. And at the middle of pride is the letter what? 
I, that's kind of a similarity there, isn't it, to sin? So, so Peter, he says, Peter, and this is one of the disciples who had spent all this time with Jesus, and he says, listen, you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. That's why I started off with Isaiah 55. You know, his ways, his thoughts are higher, so much higher than ours, and, and we need to come in line with his heart. You see, he cares for lost people. So the book ends there, the last sentence there, should I not be concerned about that great city? It kind of ends with a question mark. And we don't even know Jonah's answer. We don't know what Jonah said. We don't know. Did he get his heart right? Well, first of all, God's always going to have the last word. We know that. That's true. But it's in a question here. And, and did, Jonah, did Jonah get his heart right with God? Did Jonah like, come to this place where he realized that he was like, just plain wrong? And I got I to gotta repent. And, and he saw what those 120,000 people did. And, and he needed to humble himself before the Almighty God. We don't really know. We don't know. Some think that he did because of the fact that he, he wrote this. So why would he write this if, you know, he, it didn't turn out okay, right? So some think that, but we just don't know. But personally, this is my opinion, and I'll leave you with this, is that I think it, it, it kind of was left unanswered because it's an ongoing problem. That our hard attitudes need to be changed to be brought into line with his heart attitude. Because ours are selfish, and there's this ongoing selfishness that you and I have, and we, we need to continually say, like Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Continually turn to him and ask him to, to, to work in me, to work in my life. And we'll close with this scripture here that, David prayed in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's, that should be the prayer of our hearts too. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, we think about that though. Does... does God search us so that he would know what our hearts are like? Is that why that was written? God already knows what our hearts are like. But, but for someone to say that to God, it's, it's that he might search me and know me so that I might know what my heart is. And it's not always a pleasant, uh, pleasant thing to find out what my own heart is like, is it? Sometimes we don't want to know. But it's really, the, it's really the avenue for that joy, for that revival, that we would turn to him and, and become more like him. So, do you need heart surgery today? Are you going to let him do it? You're going to say, no, no way. I'm not going under the knife. I'm not going to let that happen to me. Well... Then what happens? We just carry it around, and, and he, he's not able to do that thing that he wants to do in us. And he wants to. 
but he's, he's also, he's not going to force himself on us. He just wants to work in us. And he's powerful enough to, to bring us to that place. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the life of Jonah, Lord, and uh, the kind of the up and down and, and uh, the things that we see there, even this heart attitude that, that you wanted to get to the bottom of. It wasn't pretty. And Lord, we know and I know that we have hard attitudes too, that, that our hearts get hard. And we're so often just consumed with ourselves and what I want, what I need. It's all about me. But Lord, you want to do a work in my life and my heart. I know that. I know that's true of, of every single person here in this room today. You want to work in us. And Lord, we say along with the psalmist there, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Test me. If there's anything in there that's that's just not right, uh, Lord, deal with it. Heal it. Do the surgery that's needed. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's anger. Maybe you're unhappy with God for what's happened in your life. Maybe uh, things have just not turned out the way you wanted them to, to, the way I wanted them to. And we're now, we're like angry at God. He wants to, he wants to come in and bring that same thing, those same things that he brought to the people of Nineveh, the grace and the compassion and the love and the slow to anger. He wants to bring those things into your heart, into my heart. Just let him do it. Just surrender. Just say yes. That's what we need to do. Say yes. It's like coming to Jesus for the first time. We, we, we open our hearts and lives and we say, yes, Lord, I, I, I'm lost. I'm, I need you. I need you in my life. I want, I want what you and only you can bring, the forgiveness for all my sins. Lord, we need you here today, every single one of us. We surrender. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.